What's going on, everybody? And welcome to episode 47 of the Did You Hear podcast, part of the Blue Wire Hustle podcast network. I'm Emma Houghton. He's Pat Zhang. And the baseball season has concluded. The Braves are your World Series champions, as we discussed last week on our final episode of the weekly walk-off. So, of course, because we cannot get enough of it, our (laughs) first episode post the end of the baseball season will be talking about the award season for the baseball season, because obviously Pat and I just have to do baseball as often as we can. Hey, it is awards week to be fair, right? It is. They are coming out all this week. Uh, So excited to do that. But no, we are not ready to say goodbye to baseball just yet. So of course we had to do it. Yeah. We'll have a lot of fun content this off season too, and maybe even some more episodes wrapping up the postseason and, and the second half of the season, but we're super excited about this one. The finalists came out, but we are going to say our picks for the MVP Cy Young Rookie of the Year and Coach of the Le- Coach of the Year for the AL and the NL. Mm, should be fun. Yeah, I remember. It's so funny if we were to pull up an episode for from a couple months ago and what our picks were at that time versus what they are now. It <laughs> seems like the last two months of the season, things changed so much. So I'm very curious to see how we differ on some of our answers here. Yeah, I mean, down the stretch, I think there was there's some crazy baseball played, as we talked about uh, when we were wrapping up the season and all of that. So I think things did move around a little bit um, and then excited to kind of talk through all these. Yeah. And a lot of these races were so good all year. Oh, really? It was a good year. But let's start with the AL MVP, because mm. this was a conversation that I absolutely loved having with you all season long. Yes. And unfortunately, the thing that you said that had to happen in order for someone other than Shohei Otani to not win the MVP did not happen. So I hope that your AL MVP is Shohei Otani. Uh, that it is. <laughs> no, you're right. Yes, I did reference that if Laddie could win a triple crown and if the Blue Jays could make the playoffs while the Angels missed out, that maybe, just maybe, Vladdy would be able to take home that American League MVP, but none of that happened. And even with a dip in especially power production for Otani in the second half of the season, he is still your guy as American League MVP. I mean, just looking at it, he had or contributed 40% of the Angels' war came straight from Shohei Otani. 40% of the team's war. <laughs> came I can't from even talk about player. it. That makes me so depressed. It's it's wild about how much of an impact he did. And then another interesting stat as it goes to war 1.2 was the difference between Shohei Otani and the second place war finisher this year. Only five of those years. Oh, excuse me. From 1986 to 2020, only five of those years has the margin been larger than 1.2. Yeah. So it just, it kind of puts in perspective just the year that Shohei had. He is your American league MVP. That's why I was so strongly about Shohei Otani for literally the entirety of the season, because I get that Vladimir Guerrero Jr.'s mm. season was unreal. And, it was. and he would have won this award by a landslide in literally any other year. But Shohei Otani was a top 10 pitcher and a top 10 hitter. And I'll plug it again. When you go back to our spotlighting greatness episode, we played the game. I gave you stats and you told me whether they belong to Shohei Otani <laughs> or Garrett Cole or Shohei Otani or Zach Wheeler or Shohei Otani and name another really good hitter like Bryce Harper. It's just insane how well he was able to do both. And also 
something that I really don't feel like gets talked about. He had 26 stolen bases, which I love talking about. He played 126 games at DH, six in right field, and one in left field. If Shohei Otani hadn't played that much, if he had played half of that, mm-hmm. he probably still would have been the MVP. <laughs> But he played in almost all 162 games. And that is the type of durability that everyone hoped he would have when he really broke out onto the scene and won the AL Rookie of the Year a few years ago. But nobody expected this. Yeah, listen, it's really impactful. And it's something we've looked at for him, too, was, you know, can he really be out there for long stretches and and impact the game? And, um, oh, yeah, did we see that a little bit this year? (laughs) Oh, yeah, he can. (laughs) Yeah, I guess so. Uh, With just, you know, one of the most historic seasons in uh, in Major League Baseball history, just all of that put into it. He he has to be the American League MVP Uh, as much as Vladdy deserves all of the, you know, all of the praise that he's going to get as much as Marcus Simeon, who had an incredible, yep. incredible season. You know, Aaron Judge had a really good year. Your American Cedric League MVP, Mullins. Cedric Mullins. Thank you very much. Could never leave out Cedric Mullins. Um, he he just has to be the guy. And I, I expect I it to be way. anonymous. I do. Yeah, no, I, I think it should be. I really do. And I had Otani, Guerrero, Simeon, my top three. Mm-hmm. I think that's yeah. fair. Yeah, I felt like that was actually pretty obvious as it solidified itself, too. I, I agree. Uh, top three. Yeah. I agree. I agree. All right, cool. And I think we will feel the same way about the AL Cy Young as we well do. down the stretch. Down the stretch, Robbie Ray really solidified himself as the best pitcher in the AL. I had some cool numbers here. I'll give you the the straight up ones first. Two eight four ERA. He threw hundred and ninety three in a third innings, which really matters a lot to me when it comes to Cy Young voting. His whip was just a touch over one. He was in the 93rd percentile in K percentage with 32.1 K percentage. And his walk percentage was 6.7. He was offered and he accepted a one-year, $8 million contract, basically because he couldn't stop himself from walking (laughs) batters. And then he went out and is now the front runner for the AL Cy Young. I'm going to give you the simplest reason why Robbie Ray is your American League. Oh, please. I love it. And that is because he led the American League in ERA, ERA plus whip strikeouts and innings pitched. (laughs) That pretty much does it. Yeah. (laughs) I I mean, I understand there's some people out there that talk about Garrett Cole. This is not Garrett Cole's year. In my mind, just like Otani has to be your American League MVP. Robbie Ray has to be your American League Cy Young Award winner when you just factor in just the the sheer like importance of all of those numbers. And he led the league in all of them. Yeah. And Garrett Cole was too inconsistent. Robbie Ray gave up five runs in an outing once mm-hmm. all season long. And Pat, it was the last game of the season. Oh, I <laughs> remember that, very well. <laughs> he had never given up more than four runs. He also never went less than four innings. So every single time he gained, he went out there, it was just really unprecedented dominance from him because he's never shown that before. That being said, I don't think it's a fluke year. I think he's going to earn himself a very nice contract along with this hardware he's winning. But just to see that walk percentage especially plummet the way it did was such a good mechanical year for Robbie Ray, among everything else. Oh, without a doubt. Without a doubt. And and now the interesting thing is, you know, what happens this winter, you know, with him and and which team he goes to and how much money he gets. 
and the Blue Jays are such an interesting team. You could definitely, you could comfortably say that Semyon and Ray were probably two of the best offseason moves. And now it's on the Blue Jays this season to figure out what to do with both of them. And I'm not sure they can afford It's a tough decision. Both. It's yeah. a tough decision. It is. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Should we go to rookie of the year? Yeah, let's do it. All right, go ahead. So for rookie of the year, I think there are a couple options here, um, but I do go with one of the Tampa Bay Rays. And this time for me, it's Randy Rosarena. Why I go with the Rosarena, we go first at looking at the full season for him. I thought it was important. You know, he's the 11th rookie in MLB history to have a 2020 season with 20 home runs and 20 stolen bases. The last person to accomplish that was one of your favorites, Andrew Benintendi in 2017. Oh. So oh, I didn't know that. That's yeah. Funny. So I thought, I thought you might appreciate that. So had to go with that. And then looking at Rosarena as a whole, he led American League rookies in uh, fan graphs war, was fifth in batting average, second in on base, sixth in slugging, fifth in home runs. Now, so just it was more of a conglomerate of numbers mm. for a Rosarena on top of the fact he played the whole season. I lean towards him with Tampa. I, I think people can be very excited about what Randy Rosarena can bring. Of course, it wasn't the Babe Ruth type performance we saw in the postseason the year before, but there was no way he was ever going to replicate that. He still put together a season that I find worthy of American League Rookie of the Year. Yeah, very much above average. That 20 homer, 20 stolen baseline always sticks out to me too. Not a lot of players do that. He was also my pick. It's funny that he's considered the boring pick now. Uh, He is. It is the boring pick. (laughs) But he was just consistently above average all year long. I would have loved to give it to Franco. I just can't with the amount of games that he played. I'm going to go with an honorable mention here, though, because you said all the stats that I would have wanted to say for Rosarena that were Mm -hmm. perfect. I'm going to talk about Garrett Whitlock. I like it. No, he seems to be in the conversation. He really does. And he wasn't named a finalist, but Whitlock was above the 60th percentile in every single pitching category except fastball spin. And who cares about fastball spin? (laughs) He was also above the 90th percentile, according to Baseball Savant. An expected weighted on base average, expected ERA, and barrel percentage. He threw a ton of innings. He got a ton of strikeouts. He didn't walk a lot of guys, didn't give up any home runs. His whip was 1.1. He was an exceptional reliever. He was one of the most valuable players on the Red Sox this year and a huge reason why they made the deep playoff run that they did. People aren't talking enough about Garrett Whitlock, and he will probably transition into a starting role next season. But man, was he an effective reliever this year. I agree. Listen, I you know, I talked about Whitlock a, a lot during the season, how impressed I was with him coming over there. I do want to say as well, you know, despite what I said around about a Rosarena, despite what you just said about Whitlock, if Wanda Franco comes up in May, Wanda Franco's here, oh, American League. Not either. even close. <laughs> yeah. Not even close. Yeah. He, he played 70 games, you know, this season and still put up just great, great numbers in those 70 games. 81 hits is just remarkable <laughs> to, to even think about. We know all about, you know, the on-base percentage at well at 350, and he had the huge on-base streak, 24 walks to go with it. Only struck out 37 times in 308 plate appearances. I think that is very underrated, especially what we're seeing in today's game. Wanda Franco is going to be a superstar. It Just if he came up earlier, he would win this award. But with the 70 games played, I do not give him the nod. Now, I think there's a chance when this award comes out that the writers may still vote him as American League Rookie of the Year. For me, it was just a little too small of a sample size, and that's why I go with this teammate. 
Yeah, I agree with you. I think he definitely gets a lot of votes. Adolis Garcia, I was kind of mm-hmm. bummed that I didn't pick him, but his second half just fell off to the it point did. where I, I couldn't. Luis Garcia also had a really good season. I want to give credit to Ryan Mountcastle and Bobby Dahlbeck too. People aren't talking about them like I think they should. But yeah, it's it's Randy Rosarena. And, and Wanda Franco will be fine because he'll win an MVP. So he won't be thinking about this snubbed rookie of the year in a couple of years. You're, you're probably right. <laughs> the expectations were exponential and he met them if not exceeded them that's oh, the biggest compliment it, I can give him. which is just and think about the expectations that he yeah, had exactly, that's what i mean yeah a- and the, people the generational yeah. the new mike trout and he's better than that it's it's so exciting to what he could potentially be yeah all right in my al coach of the year this one i think we both agree this isn't our favorite one to do because mm-hmm. the voting it's is so just, tough yeah. it's, it's very arbitrary and weird but I did go with Kevin Cash of the Tampa Bay Rays. I gave consideration to Dusty Baker. I gave consideration to Alex Cora, except I don't think that he will get any votes because of he's coming off of this suspension last year. So that would be a little bit of a weird look. I thought about surveys from the Mariners. Kevin Cash was the coach of the best team in baseball. And sometimes we get the narrative twisted that the AL coach of the year winner has to be the coach of the most unexpected team or the most unpredictable team. Let's not make it more complicated than it needs to be. Kevin Cash was the best manager in the AL because no player played more than 133 games at a single Mm. position. And that was Brandon Lau at second base. He had such a rotating cast of characters and he did such a good job with lineup construction and the pitching rotation and the Rays were dealt with a ton of blows at multiple points throughout the season in terms of injuries and all of that. And Kevin Cash had just stayed steady and brought this team to its best record in franchise history. And it obviously ended in disappointment, but that doesn't mean the Rays are going anywhere at all. Yeah, listen, I like your point, and I get the point on Kevin Cash because, of course, you know, what the Rays did, how he's able to mix and match and get that much, you know, production out of out of the talent level and out of a payroll level that, of course, is very, very low, I think is super, super impressive. I did go with Scott Cervais as okay. my American League Manager of the Year just with what he was able to achieve, you know, talking about achievements with talent levels. You know, the, the Mariners really should have been nowhere near a playoff race and they were in it until the final weekend. And if you're just looking for one stat to really look at, you know, how much the Mariners overperformed it, they won 14 more games than their Pythagorean win loss, which is basically their predicted or estimated win loss based on runs scored runs allowed, you know, things like that basically all gets thrown in and a win loss is calculated. They overperformed it by 14 games. And I think a lot of that has to go to surveys who, who just, did a wonderful job in keeping a team that not a single person believed was going to be anywhere near a playoff spot in it until the final couple of days of the season. For me, it was that big of a story that I had to go with it. I do think Alex Cora will get some votes, mm. you know, because just because of the big turnaround from the previous year to what he was able to turn the Red Sox into in the regular season. So I do think that deserves to be recognized. Of course, Kevin Cash should be right there as well. But for me, Scott Cervais is the guy. Yeah, and I feel strongly about Dusty Baker, too. He had a really, really yes. good year. I would be so happy if Scott Cervais won, saying all that I said about Kevin Cash just because it would be such a great culmination to the Mariner season. You are 100% right. They had no business playing on the last game of the season for zero. a playoff spot. Zero. <laughs> Absolutely zero business. And they did, and they they – just the other factors played against them, you know, and they punted at the deadline and they were still able to 
play and have meaningful games at the end of the season. And that's all you can ask for. And they have a really bright future too, because they have a hell of a lot of money to work with. A lot of money and a lot of young guys. Oh yeah. I'm, I'm pumped to see what the Mariners can turn into. And you know, they've got the right guy at the helm. No, I feel, I feel strongly that the Mariners season was one of the best storylines in all of baseball this year. Very strongly about that. I without a doubt. Yeah. Maybe the giants, like, I'm not sure how they stack up, but I think it was just so cool because everyone was into the Mariners at the end of the season too, and was hoping they would make that push, but that was just awesome. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. I think we're going to have a few more differences in the NL. I think so too. You can start with your NL MVP. Oh, the, oh, this one is so difficult. And this is the one that I really, really don't know which way it's going to go. I could say, you could say that about the Cy Young as well, but looking at the MVP, I think I, (laughs) you think about how much this shifted throughout the course of the season where it was firmly Fernando Tatis's award. You know, Jacob deGrom was right there too, before he got hurt. I felt like Bryce Harper really took command of this through the second half of the season. And then Juan Soto just came on, uh, came on. It's not even the right word because he was so unbelievable. The full second half of the season. He obliterated the field. I like that, but obliterated the field in September, which I think now leads to an incredibly intriguing National League MVP race. And with it, I think I'm going to lean Juan Soto as your MVP. Just when we think about the fact that, you know, getting to the playoffs isn't going to mean anything because neither Harper, Tatis, or Soto got to the postseason. Soto finishes with a 313 average. That's the best out of the three of them. A 465 on base. That's the best out of the three of them. His slugging percentage was the lowest, but it was still at 530, which is remarkable. We know all about the walks. You know, you can look at the advanced numbers. Soto had the best walk percentage and the best K percentage out of all the candidates. And then if you want to go with Harper and Soto head to head in the field. Cause of course the MVP is about more than just offense. Juan Soto was five outs above average this year. Well, Bryce Harper was negative five. So the, the impact that Juan Soto had when it comes to the at-bats, when it comes to driving and runs, when it comes to, you know, fielding, it was so, so high. And then my favorite stat of them all for him, highest percentage of swings producing hard contact in 2021. That's a minimum of 350 batted balls from Sarah Langs, who was a fantastic baseball uh, statistician. Juan Soto led all of Major League Baseball with 24% of his swings producing hard contact, which is considered 95 miles per hour or more. That's my soliloquy on Juan Soto <laughs> and uh, and why I have him as my National League MVP. I'm giving you small claps. That was amazing. Thank you. Thank very, you. very convincing case. I am being 100% serious when I say I don't know how this one is going to go. No, I, I don't either. I really am not sure. And the, the, the thing that I am sure about is that it's not going to be Fernando Tatis Jr. And he was the runaway candidate for, what, six months? I mean, it's insane how this turned. I'm going to go Harper, mm-hmm. not just for the sake of disagreeing with you. I really do believe that Bryce Harper should win this award, but the defense certainly does not work in his favor. I'll just say these stats about Soto quick. Third highest war among position players. His stat line after the All-Star break was 348 slash line, sorry, 348, 525, 639. What? Simply what? Yeah. It's just absurd. And that's why he was able to, again, catapult himself into this race that he he had no business being in at the first half of the season. But anyway, that being said, I do believe that Bryce Harper had the better cumulative season. His slash line, 
309, which is seventh best in all of baseball. 429 was on base percentage was second behind, of course, Juan Soto. And 615 slug was the best in all of baseball. His OPS was the base, best in all of baseball with a 1.044. He was tied for first in doubles. And I know you didn't mention it because it works in my favor, but I got to tell you, Pat, wins probability added. Our favorite mm, stat. One of my favorites. Harper was second behind only Otani. Yep. So if you are literally taking in the words most valuable player, Bryce Harper was arguably the second most valuable player in all of baseball. If you're looking at wins, probably added. So I had a lot of fun looking at the numbers for these two guys. I am seriously not sure who is going to win it, but I think Bryce Harper had a, a season for the ages just because of how complete his game is on the offensive side. Uh, you're so right. And the first thing I can say is that I can look at that. I'm a fraud because I picked Bryce Harper in that September episode. I think yeah, I, know. We did. <laughs> I think so I was leaning Soto in that episode. Yeah, so we, we swip, uh, swatched. I, wow. I can't speak. We swapped <laughs> then. Um, and, and I went to Soto after the September that he had it. This is an awesome MVP race. As you said, I do not know who wins this thing um, at yeah. all, but whoever wins, it's going to be very, very deserving. Cause there were some great seasons I could have even farther, you know, beyond the Harper and Soto, when you bring in Tatis, when you bring in uh, Trey Turner, you know, when mm-hmm. you look at a guy like Austin Riley and his production in Atlanta, and we can go on and on and on um, with how many great years there really were. No, I totally agree with you. It, it really, it's a, it's a shame that Fernando Tatis isn't even being talked about by us mm-hmm. because he did have an incredible season. Yeah. Certainly. 100%. Excuse me. So, okay. Another one that I am a hundred percent serious when I say, I don't know who's going to win it. The NL Cy Young. I will say, man. Okay. I'll, I'll say it first. So my pick is Walker Bueller. And I confidently told Pat earlier today that I was going to pick Max Scherzer. Thought you did. And about an hour before we started recording, I said, oh my God, wait, I'm looking up numbers and I'm switching to Walker Bueller. Walker Bueller wasn't even named a finalist for the NL Cy Young. And I think that is so wrong. It's of course, because of all the other great performances that the Scherzers and the Burns and the Wheelers had, but let me just tell you some, some categories and where Walker Bueller ended up in all of these categories. He had the second most pitching B war behind Zach Wheeler, third best ERA behind Burns and Scherzer. You will also notice that a lot of these names are repeats because there was a very <laughs> clear top four pitching in the NL, of course, after DeGrom was hurt. He had the second lowest hits per nine behind Scherzer, tied for the most games started. 33 games started, Pat, 28 quality starts. And you know how highly I regard quality starts, and I'm not sure why other people don't. It's yeah. at least six innings. And it's less than three runs. Those are very quantifiable things. Walker Bueller had the length. And I think, I really do think that NL Cy Young will come down to how many innings these guys threw. Because you could argue that Corbin Burns had the best stuff of any of these pitchers. But I have a hard time giving it to him when he didn't even rank in the top 10 in innings pitched. Walker Bueller did. He was third in wins probability added for pitchers behind only Josh Hader and Max Scherzer, and a stat that I didn't even know existed, but I was very excited to find, and I'll end with this one. Bueller had a 4.1 adjusted pitching wins, and that stat takes into account a pitcher's contribution to a team's win 
that led all of baseball. So when he was on the mound, he was so imperative to the Dodgers turning his starts into wins. And he did that a lot of the time. So that's why I think he should be the Cy Young. I like that a lot. The one thing I will say is that you set me up perfectly when you talk about innings. When I, 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 <laughs> when I talk about my Cy Young Award winner, and that would be Zach Wheeler of the Philadelphia Phillies, who did finish at 14 and 10 with a 278 ERA. He led all of Major League Baseball in innings, complete games, shutouts, batters faced, and pitching. Uh, B War, he led the National League in strikeouts. Uh, no pitcher in baseball threw more pitches in the seventh inning or later than Zach Wheeler. As you said, he threw so many more innings than Corbin Burns. And this is really interesting. This came from Jason Stark in that, you know, where there are some lower ERAs than Wheeler, not by much, but there certainly are, you know, a little bit, especially when you look at like a Burns. But, you know, I just talk about Zach Wheeler and pitching late into games. If Zach Wheeler never threw a pitch beyond the sixth inning with, as I just said, he led all of baseball in the amount of pitches from the seventh inning on, he would have had a better ERA than Corbin Burns, Max Scherzer, and Walker Bueller. It's incredible, yeah. And it, it's about the workhorse, you know, nature that Wheeler really had this year is why I feel more than comfortable making Zach Wheeler as a Cy Young. I think Max Scherzer is going to be right in the conversation. You know, clearly Corbin Burns is right there uh, as well. But Zach Wheeler is the guy that I gravitate towards. What a season he had, and he's my NL Cy Young. Yeah, I would be very happy with that, too, because I think he deserves to be rewarded for what he did for this team. Again, mm-hmm. if the Phillies come away with the MVP and the Sa Young and they didn't even make the playoffs, what's going on there? Hmm. Make it make sense. But anyways, I, I knew that I set you up for, for you to just absolutely obliterate all the stats that I had just said of why Walker Bueller should win because Wheeler's better in almost every single one. I did <laughs> appreciate it, the innings reference. I really did. No, it, it, it's, it's such an important stat to me. And he can't help the situation that the Phillies were in. He can't help that the bullpen was terrible. Mm-hmm. He is only adding to his resume by going so deep into games he faltered a little bit down the stretch that's true and I think Walker Bueller was really really strong all season long but you just can't deny the body of work that Wheeler had this year and so often we talk about the stuff that plays we don't give enough credit to those workhorses the the Wheelers and the Lance Lynn's who I think will get some AL Cy Young votes too I completely agree with you Wheeler is very deserving of this Ooh, I like it I like it. Yeah, it's a good race. It really is for both NL MVP and NL, and, and NL Cy Young. Yeah. And I mean, I, like I said, I said this morning that I was going to do Max Scherzer. I was fully into that because of how good he was when he was traded to the Dodgers. It's just, it's crazy how many good performances were there were this year. Yes. Agreed. Yeah. Okay. Talking about good performances NL rookie of the year. This one was probably the most obvious to me, maybe besides Shohei Otani. It's Jonathan India from the Reds. I didn't even write down anything on it because <laughs> it's just Jonathan India from the Reds. It so clearly. Is. Yeah. Yeah. With, with the impact that he made, you know, of course, especially when he got moved into the leadoff spot, you know, he, he brought power. He was on base. He hit for a decent average. You know, he was a real spark plug for, for Cincinnati. I, I think people are really excited to see how he can continue to build on that and continue to learn from a guy like Joey Votto as well as yep. is very, very cool. Uh, Jonathan India for me, didn't even have to put a second thought into it for NL. Uh, I felt, I felt the same way. I really like Trevor Rogers, but he definitely mm-hmm. fell up. And I, that's not even fair. Jonathan India was just so much better than the rest. Yep. Yeah. He had 12 stolen bases, a 376 on base percentage. He doesn't hit the ball that hard, but it doesn't matter because he gets on base and he doesn't swing and miss. And he's really fast when he does get on base. He's even more <laughs> lethal. I think 
he is the perfect player for that Reds offense that was so hot for so long. They're never going to power the ball out of the park, even though Joey Votto obviously had that insane streak. They just, it's death by a thousand cuts for the Reds. And I love that. As do I. So yeah, I definitely went Jonathan India there. Yeah. All right, cool. And then finish us out with NL coach of the year. So yeah, NL manager of the year. I think it's an interesting one. There are some options here. You know, you look at Brian Snicker, remember that postseason performance is not factored in at all. So I think it comes up short though. He still deserves to be in the conversation being that the Braves were able to get to 88 wins, you know, win that division with Noah Cunha. I think it'd be a little awkward, but I also just think he deserves to be in there. Mike Schilt, you know, with, with the St. <laughs> so Louis Cardinals, awkward. even yeah. though he was fired. I mean, think about where the Cardinals were in the big turnaround they went on. He deserves some votes, you know, for how they played. But for me, the only place I could go here as well was San Francisco to Gabe Kapler. And again, I love to try to boil it down to simple reasons why for some of these things I can get this down to a simple reason. There is no way in hell that this Giants roster should have won 107 games. And that's all I need to say for why Gabe Kapler is my NL manager of the year. Yeah, I thought you were going to go even more complicated, and I was literally just going to say the Giants won 107 games. And look at the roster. That's it. The Dodgers won 106 games. Does that surprise you? Probably not, because you look at that roster. The San Francisco Giants with the current roster that they had won 100. 107 games. It's just absurd. Can I just say too, I think this is the second consecutive season where a coach, where a manager had has been fired, has been up for manager of the year for that same team. Ooh. I think Ricky Renteria was last year, right? Oh, uh, might if have been. Not I two can't, years ago. I can't remember for sure. But he was fired by the White Sox and then was up for manager of the year. And then Mike Schilt was fired by the Cardinals and then up for manager of the year. It's very weird and awkward. <laughs> Uh, a little awkward. <laughs> yeah, no, but I i mean, this one, i not even close. I literally had one bullet down, and it was that the Giants won 107 games. They were the best team in baseball. That's mm-hmm. it. And unfortunately, they didn't make a deep playoff run because they had to play the second-best team in baseball. But what they did, again, second-best storyline in baseball, you could easily call it the first. What the Giants did was unforgettable, and that's what teams are trying to – that's why you don't punt at the beginning of the season, right? That is why you play mm-hmm. – every single game and you hope to get the most out of your players, even if they're old, because you see what Brandon Crawford did. You see what Buster Posey did who announced his retirement. What an epic career they're playing with house money. And now in the future, this is where we're really going to see giants chasing championships. Like they were in the early 2010s. And they've got basically a blank canvas, you know, not not a ton of money on the books going into this off season. Of course, you know, a lot of it will factor in what that new CBA looks like as well, but they've got a chance to really remake this roster as they see fit to continue to contend, which has got to be pretty exciting. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. All right. So those are our NL, uh, excuse me, MLB awards. I'm so excited, excuse me, to see how they all go down, but I am going to football for my number and I am very excited about it, Pat. Let's do it. Are you in football as well? I'm in baseball. Okay. All right. So the number, craziest number I heard this week is 15.5. And that is because Buffalo closed as a 15 and a half point favorite against the Jacksonville Jaguars on Sunday. And they had the fourth largest road upset loss since 1960. Six. I wasn't able to watch this game. I was on a plane, so I was going through the scores, and I think I did a quadruple take when I saw this score. And at that point, it was 6-6. It was 6-6 in the third quarter, and I could not believe Hmm. it. And then the Bills went on 
to lose. Josh Allen was abysmal. Eighth, yeah. eighth worst passer rating of his career. Jo- this was the Josh Allen versus Josh Allen game to give credit where credit's due. The Jaguars defense was very good, which is just never a sentence I thought I would say. Hmm. But what a weird week for the NFL and what an insane line and favorites and how many people lost money because of the bills. Oh my gosh. Clearly time for an urban Meyer extension um, <laughs> after, after that, when he's clearly building oh a winner God. in Jacksonville, um, your, your whole point, your whole soliloquy, this whole season, it just blew up in your face. Right it there did. Oh game. man. He proved me wrong. Um, oh my it's God, that's it's <laughs> honestly remarkable. As you said, definitely the, the upset of the season. I, I couldn't believe it. Uh, you said Josh Allen played poorly. No, he didn't. He played great. You <laughs> yeah. know, sack interception. No, I'm, I'm kidding. Uh, Cause of the media made way too much of that, but yeah. um, no, it was, I was very surprised to see the bills offense struggle in the way that they did against the defense that had really been very poor this year. The bills have been very weird and where, you know, in, in most games, they look like the best team in the AFC. And then they've just had games where they fall off a cliff. You think of that Steeler game. Now you throw Jacksonville in there. You know, they didn't look particularly great in that loss to the Titans. So the Titans look really good, um, you know, against the Rams on Sunday night. It's it's been a little of Jekyll and Hyde for the Bills so far this season. But, you know, can't take anything away from Jacksonville getting such a key win for them. Yeah. And I, I'm so glad you went there because I was going to say the same exact thing. We had already said that the the Steelers upset was going to be the mm. upset of the year. <laughs> and now it's this. And there have been such weird ones. The Tennessee losing to the Jets and the Bengals losing to the Jets. Yeah, this is just a weird year, man. It's a weird I, year. This one was it was such a, a good embodiment of it because what the heck happened in that game? The Bills are one of the most complete rosters in the NFL. And they looked just they couldn't do anything against no. Jacksonville, who we predicted would lose out last week. I, we I did predicted say that Jacksonville would be the most likely team to lose out. Wow. We should do that more often and get all the bad teams wins. We'll do I that for so. Detroit this week, I guess. The, the Giants will lose out. Um, there we go. Let's <laughs> see what happens now. <laughs> Throw it up. Yeah, you might yeah. as well. But my number as, as I go to baseball here is 129. And you, you, you kind of referenced it just a few minutes ago, but I had to go there. Uh, 129 is the OPS plus for Buster Posey in his career. That is the second highest in Major League Baseball history for any player that has played a minimum of a thousand career games at catcher. He is only behind Mike Piazza at a 143 OPS plus. I don't even really need to go through the career stats of Buster Posey. You had, you know, 1500 career hits, a 300 batting average, 158 home runs, but it's just everything that he went through in his career. An MVP, a seven-time All-Star, a gold glover, a batting champion, a rookie of the year, a four-time silver slugger, no-hitter caught, and the three-time World Series champion. Buster Posey is a first ballot Hall of Famer. I will not hear anything otherwise from anyone. What a career that that Buster Posey had. And it's a sad day to see him retire. because It just, is sad. Yeah. He did the longevity and the, just all the things he was able to do throughout his career is incredible. I love that he ended on this high note too. Me too. What an exceptional way to end your career. And I'm also laughing because you said you weren't going to go through his career stats. And then you named every single one of his w- career when, accolades. When I said his career stats, I meant like hits and home runs Average, and all that. Yeah. yeah. And then no, I'm like, I mean, wait a second. I kind of have to go through a couple of them. <laughs> you sound out of breath because there's that many. There's yeah. That and many. we didn't talk about it when we did the awards, but he's going to win the NL comeback player of the year as he should. And yeah, I, I, he is going to walk into the hall of fame. I legitimately don't know 
what argument would go against that. No. Who's not argue who's arguing against Buster Posey being a first ballot Hall of Famer? I don't understand it. He flat out wins. He plays catcher. He's still one of the most productive bats in baseball history. And he just, I'm going to go back to it. He just wins. He wins championships. He's the most valuable player on those championship teams. I was really bummed to see him go, but I love the idea of finishing on this high note because he is everything to the Giants. I'm so happy he finished his career there. What what just an absolutely amazing journey for Buster Posey. Not playing in 2020, coming back this year, being a legit MVP contender is maybe mm-hmm. a little bit too high, but one of the best players on one of the best teams in baseball. It's amazing. Me too. I mean, look at it. In the final year of his career, he had a 140 OPS plus, 40% yeah. better than league average, and finished with a 390 on base. The as last a catcher. year of his career. And as at a his catcher. age. Yeah, yeah, in 450 plate appearances. It's not like he didn't play. Um, yeah. So just incredible for Buster Posey, as I said. Should be a first ballot Hall of Famer the first time he's up to go into Cooperstown. Oh, I'm so happy you ended with that. That was awesome. Had to. Yeah, had what to a career. It. Yeah, what, what a career. career. Absolutely deserved it. But, oh, that was fun doing a little MLB awards. Yeah, I love that. I missed it. We didn't have baseball for a week, and I'm already going through withdrawals. So we're just going to have to talk about it every week of the offseason, I guess. I, I mean, I guess so, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, man, I am so excited for the hot stove. This offseason is going to be wild. All these qualifying offers, I'm so excited. We're going to do a big prediction episode soon, for sure. Yeah, let's hope all that uh, those signings and stuff gets in before December 2nd when that lockout comes, because we know yeah. it's coming. <laughs> Don't bring us down, Pat. Don't bring us down. So I'm saying enjoy the month of November with exactly. your baseball news, because it might dry up for a little bit, but it'll, right. it'll come back. It'll come back. Don't worry. You're right. Um, Winter meetings. Exactly. <laughs> but all right, that'll do it for us here on the Did You Hear podcast. Uh, be sure to subscribe to the show on iTunes. Leave a rating as well and follow us on twitter and instagram at did you hear pod we will be back at it next week and emma that's a wrap